everybody we are back after a few weeks off i got into march madness there but now we got the masters coming up next week so i decided late last night that i was going to get set up for the valero texas open which is starting tomorrow so you gotta listen to this one quick i'm gonna try and get it out there um listen to it on one and a half speed if you got to I kind of talk slow to begin with, and I think things through live a lot, so I tend to take a long time with these podcasts. I'm going to try and speed it up, but listen to it on one and a half speed, and I've been doing that just to kind of go through and listen to myself a second time, and I just go on one and a half speed just to get through it quicker, and it kind of still sounds natural, and I'm off of caffeine this week. I haven't had I've been drinking decaf coffee. My little brother got me on some kind of health kick here. So for one week, I'm not drinking any caffeine, which I do tea every couple times a week, probably with a little bit of caffeine in it. And then I drink coffee every day, but now I'm drinking decaf and no tea. And I am dog tired every single day. This is day five and I'm just starting to get used to it. So I'm going to try and you know, pick it up, be a little higher energy here, but it's going to be tough. Let's dive right in here. Valero, Texas Open 2021. Um, on my cheat sheet, I always have the course history, and it always says 2020 for last year, 2019, 2018. The last five years is what I typically cover. But last year, this event was canceled, so all of those years are bumped up a little bit so uh if under 2020 which looks like last year it's actually 2019 so two years ago and in each year after that so it's one year off but still kind of you know the same deal the course tpc san antonio oaks course in san antonio texas obviously par 72 7,435 yards. It's been played at this venue ever since 2010. 1,100 feet above sea level. Um, Greg Norman designed course uh, with Sergio Garcia Consulting. The fairways are widened a little bit and the rough is shorter. Oh man, I got to take that out. That's wrong. I left this in... Maybe they are still doing that. I don't I haven't read a course preview this year. This is from two years ago. But when they moved it into this slot right in front of the Masters, they widened the fairway, shortened the rough to try and make it feel more like Augusta. And I'm assuming since it's the week before uh, the Masters that they're going to do that again. But I haven't read anything this year on it. So the fairways might be widened. They might not. Rough could be short. Might I would assume they're doing it again with the wide fairways and short and rough to try and make it more like Augusta. And then we'll kind of look at uh, the last leaderboard, see how that did with scoring. But Bermuda grass, 
with native Texas grasses prevalent throughout the course. Oak trees line it, um, line most of the holes and can make certain holes kind of narrow. And then they have weird rocky terrain that they, they call their native areas around where uh, you can hit it into find trouble that way. Greens are a little bit elevated that you're hitting into. So, uh, you know, with the native areas, elevated greens, you want some good ball strikers this week. And the greens are heavily protected by bunkers. So you'll have some deep bunkers around these elevated greens. The wind can cause a problem. We have seen anywhere from, you know, 18 to about 17 under ever since 2010 at this course. So wind conditions can make scoring a little bit tougher. Par fives here play the toughest on tour. And then there's five par fours that are 410 yards or shorter. So that's where you can do a lot of your scoring is on these short par fours. So guys that do well on short par fours might be uh, people to target this week. Um, a lot of wedges and short to mid-range iron shots into these greens. Uh, so guys that are good within that range are also guys you're going to want to look at. The key stats for this week, pretty basic. Very weird one for the unique to this course, but the key stats, strokes gained tee to green, par 5 scoring, because this, uh, you know, it is harder to score on these par 5s here. So there's a little bit more of an emphasis here, but there's always a pretty big emphasis on par five scoring. Bogey avoidance is always pretty big too. But unique to this course, strokes gain putting, which almost never pops up, proximity and one putt percentage, which also never really pops up. So uh, that one has me scratching my head a little bit. I'll have to dig in to the course history and see who's done well here to see if that's an anomaly or if that's really what's going on. But putting, I guess, is a big deal. I'm not exactly sure why here. Uh, the field, we have 144 golfers. Masters is next week, so a lot of guys are taking the week off. Dustin Johnson dropped out a few days ago, said he was going to stay at home and focus on uh, getting ready for Augusta. Uh, so it's a weaker field, but that just means uh, a lot of betting potential, a lot of uh, DFS potential here with some with some sleepers and some names that guys don't really know about. Um, and it, here's another little strategy that I've thrown out there the last couple years, but with this course where there is wind that can cause problems, it might be smart, and I might do this tonight, look at the forecast for tomorrow, especially for like first round leader, and probably for uh, daily fantasy sports purposes as well, but find out if the wind is supposed to be really bad in the a.m. or the p.m. If there's a big difference between the two, then it might be smart to stack guys on one certain tee-off time, whether it be a.m. or p.m., to get those favorable conditions because if scoring is going to be real tough for that other uh, wave, whether it be the AM or the PM, you're going to want to load up on that certain uh, group of guys or certain groups that are teeing off in the favorable uh, weather conditions. 
And then same thing for first-round leader. If you're going to have a guy shoot eight under, it's probably going to be when the weather's nicer. So if there's some bad weather coming tomorrow, that might be something to look into. I did just check really quick, and it looks like the weather is going to be in the 50s when the first groups tee off. And a little bit windier, but still only 13 miles an hour or so wind. And it's going to stay like that probably around 10 mile an hour wind for the rest of the day. So maybe a slight advantage to the guys in the afternoon with a little bit less wind and a little bit warmer weather, but nothing crazy there. And I also looked into the course layout and I can't find anything um, regarding how they set it up compared to what it was like in years past. But I'm looking at it right now and we got Corey Connors won it last year at 20 under, which was a record. And then there was 19 guys, or this was two years ago actually, so 19 guys finished at 10 under or better. And then the year before that, and I'm not exactly sure when they moved it in front of the Masters, but it was recently, the year before Andrew Landry won at 17 under. And then when you look at the year before that, um, Kevin Chappell, 12 under. Charlie Hoffman, 12 under. Jimmy Walker, 11 under. So this, the cut was typically above par here, but it looks like the last two years, they've made it a little bit easier scoring-wise. And that might be because they moved it in front of the Masters might be part of that and weather also might be another part of that but that could be something to look out for as guys are scoring a little bit better here in the last two years when it's been one of the tougher courses on tour now i'm just going to run through my bets and then a little reasonings why and then go through the entire field or skim through it at least. But first round leaders, I'm going Sam Burns, uh, plus 5,500. Brennan Steele, plus 5,500. Akshay Batia, plus 12,500. Or 125 to 1, however you want to look at it. But Brennan Steele, my reasoning behind this, and I, this is going to be the theme of this event for me is I don't trust these guys at the top like I don't trust Finau I don't trust Spieth Scheffler Matsuyama Abraham Anser Corey Connors Ryan Palmer those right there are your top seven golfers on DraftKings I don't trust them I'm not really paying high for I might select one of these guys but I'm probably gonna avoid most of them and the same thing with betting um I'm going to avoid him and DraftKings or, you know, Daily Fantasy Sports. But Brennan Steele, his last four times at this event, he was four, four places back of the lead after the first round in 2019. And then he was the next year or the year before that, he was three places behind. And then the year before that, four places behind. And then the year before that, he was the first-round leader. 
at the Valero Texas Open. So each of the last four years, he's gotten off to a relatively good start, especially compared to this the entire field. You, you hardly see that where guys uh, have good starts this consistently. So Brendan Steele at 55-1. to 1, I love that for a first-round leader. His last five events, he has not been within four places of lead in the first round. Um, but I think that just makes him good value here because how well he does in this event and how consistent he's been playing overall compared to that. And then the next one we're going to look at is Sam Burns. Um, played here two years ago played here four years before that so there's a little bit of a gap hasn't gotten off to a great start neither of those years uh he was the first round leader at the genesis his last two events the arnold palmer and the players championship i don't think he's done well there but moving from california to florida now we're going to texas a little bit of a move around so i think those two I think he had two missed cuts. I'll go through it when I'm skimming through the field, but he, I, I don't think he played too well in either of those events. So that has dropped his value here in both DraftKings and uh, betting-wise. But Genesis, he was first-round leader before that. AT&T, Pebble Beach didn't do great in the first round. Waste management, he was one back of the lead after the first round. Um... Farmers Insurance right before that. He was two back. And then you if you go throughout his last year, it's like 50% of the time he gets off to a good start in the first round. So he's one of those golfers that gets going pretty quick. And I feel like he's discounted just because he had that poor stretch, two-event two stretch in Florida. But now we're in Texas again, so it's kind of like hitting the reset button. So I like his skill level here. Uh, for first round leader at that number and then now i gotta scroll down and find akshay batia who has in three of his last five events he's played very sparingly on tour but his last event on tour he was one back of the lead after the first round and that was at the at&t pebble beach before that, not a great start, but before that at the Mayakoba, he was two off of the lead. And then two events before that was the Safeway Open in the swing season where he was three places back of the lead. And then I'm just looking at his percentage of uh, good rounds and great rounds, which I calculate as three better or five better than the average in the field. And he... At 125 to one for first round leader, he is sitting in a pretty good spot. How far back he is, and where that number is. So I love him for first round first round leader play at 125 to one. Now my winners, Andrew Landry, who won here three years ago. And I feel like you see this a lot with guys where they'll play really good at a certain event, go through a rough patch, and then all of a sudden that event comes up again and then they have a good showing again or they win back-to-back. -back. Like Johnny Vegas has done that where he's 
he's playing terrible golf, and all of a sudden he's coming at a course where he was the defending champ, and then he wins it again. So there's weird sort of mojo or just golf is such a mental game that you can just hit a total reset or all of a sudden your confidence clicks in and you're playing better golf. But Andrew Landry won it here in 2018. I'm struggling to find him. Oh, Jesus, because I'm looking at the wrong column. But I think he has uh, 26th place at the Genesis. And then he missed the cut at the Players' Championship. Uh, but that his recent tournaments aren't great. But I just think he's one of those guys where I'm betting winners here, so I want a guy that can win. I'll take that guy who's won here before at 250-1. to 1. Or it's, it's slid down. The guys that I took for winners were Stenson, Snedeker, and Landry, guys that are proven winners on tour or have won here. And when I looked at them, I looked at the stats or their odds last night, and then I uploaded them into my spreadsheets this morning, and they dropped. And then I went to place the bets like 15 minutes after, and they dropped again. So I was like, Andrew Landry was 250 to 1, and I didn't get him until he was 200 to 1 because I waited 15 minutes this morning to do it. But he's one that I'm looking at, or actually already pulled the trigger on. And then Snedeker, I got at, what was his number? 250 to one, but it was 300 to one when I first checked it. And this is all on DraftKings. When I looked at DraftKings numbers, they were all deeper odds. And then they all fell quick. And then I compared it to the other books. Like I points bets was one. William Hill. FanDuel. And they all had the lower odds to begin with. So I think if DraftKings keep doing that, keeps doing that, then there's going to be a good chance where you can move in quick, find guys at good numbers, and then they'll drop from 400 to 1 to 300 to 1 or something. And you'll you'll catch them before they do. So that might be something to look into. It's just check DraftKings a little bit early because they were getting um, good numbers out there. Brant Snedeker hasn't played well, but it's another one of those guys. His last two times here, both top 25s. He had a 15th place finish in 2018 and a 25th place finish in 2016. So he feels comfortable on this course and he has won on tour a few times, so getting him at such deep odds in a weak field, I'll do that. And then Henrik Stenson, um, I wouldn't advise following this one. He hasn't played great at all in the last like four years. I, I'm not even sure he's ever played at this course before. He hasn't played here in the last five years, or the last five times they've had this event here. But Henrik Stenson, I'm just going to keep betting him until he wins. And that might take me about 100 events, but we're going to get there. So I'm I'm dying on this hill with Henrik Stenson. Now the top 10 finishes. I didn't like top 10 finishes, the numbers here, because they're way too up on guys that are at the top of this pricing range, and I don't trust the guys up top there. So what I did was um, Andrew Putnam, 
at plus 650. And now that I'm looking at that, I think I just did that because he has the same name as Andrew Landry. But no, he his last two finishes here were both top 40, one top 10, and then two of his last three events were top fives. Um, so Putnam is cracking the top 10 quite a bit here. So I took him at plus 650, and Byung Hun on, Benny on, I took him at plus 900 to top 10. He hasn't been golfing great lately. Um, wildly missed the cut at the players. But he was starting to hone it in a little bit. Uh, before that at the Arnold Palmer, he was 43rd. And then 35th at the Puerto Rico Open. But the main thing is for me is he's coming off of a top 10 finish here two years ago. The last time they had the event here. So... Benny on. I think something's going to click with him this week. I hope it does in this weaker field. He's great tee to green. So that's the kind of mold that you need for this course. So I got him at 9-1 to one for the top 10. Excuse me a second. I'm going to take a drink of tequila. Mm, that's delicious. I should get a sponsor. Top 20. Charlie Hoffman who has been a murderer here. I hate picking Charlie Hoffman, especially a chalky Charlie Hoffman. But he's priced at 9200 this week. Finished runner-up here his last time out, which was 2019. It's the last time they had this event. Won it here in 2016. 11th place finish in 2015. Hasn't missed the cut in each of the last five years. I don't know what's going on before that. I'm not going to dig deeper. His last five events on tour, though, 34th at Corrales Punta Cana, 17th at the Players, 10th at the Arnold Palmer, 52nd at the Genesis, 7th at AT&T Pebble Beach. So he's been playing really good golf. He plays really well here. This is a weak field. I like him to top 10, but I don't trust him. So if he's pretty chalky this week, I'll probably fade him and everything else and just bet him to top 10 at plus 175. Sam Burns, plus 200. Like I said, he made the turn here at Florida. Wildly missed the cut at the players, but a lot of people did. Like Benny On missed the cut at the players, but at 17, he almost holds the record now for the highest score because of hitting it in the water. So... It can get a little funky at the Florida courses. If you just have two blow-up holes, it makes you look like a complete idiot. But he missed Sam Burns, missed the cut at the Players, missed the cut at Arnold Palmer. But his event before that at the Genesis, where he was first-round leader, or tied for first-round leader, he finished in third. His last time here, he finished 23rd. So at 8000 Sam Burns is priced very well for DraftKings. And I also like him to top 10 at plus 200. So I went there well, and it looks like the other guy that I took to top 10, Chris Kirk, who is going to be very chalky this week, two top 10 finishes and a 13th place finish in his, so three great finishes here in his last five attempts, his last three attempts on tour, 48 at the Players, 8th at the Arnold Palmer, 16th at Pebble Beach. 
So a lot of top 20s, a lot of top 10s in his course history and his recent history. So I like him. Chris Kirk at plus 200. To, oh, these are top 20s. Charlie Hoffman, Sam Burns, Chris Kirk. All top 20s. Um, Sam Burns plus 200. Chris Kirk plus 200 as well. Charlie Hoffman plus 175. Chris Kirk, the only thing is, is I think he looks to be one of the most highly owned guys in DraftKings or, you know, daily fantasy sports, just because where he's sitting with his price tag, his recent history, course history. So I might shy away from that in DFS, because if you're trying to, unless you're doing cash plays, then he's a good cash play. I think all those guys are pretty good cash plays, but there's a little thing about each one of those three that I don't really trust, and that's why I'm more apt to bet them to top 20 than I am to put them in my DFS lineups, but I guess it depends on what kind of contest you're in for DFS. Last but not least of my bets here, top 40, Byung-Hun on. Like I said, I think something's going to click with him. Plus 150 to top 40. He's been pretty steady lately, and without that blow up on 17, I think he was at the players. He, I think he was he was flirting with making the cut, and then he. No, what was the first day that he had the blow up on Thursday? But either way, I he his game has been trending in the right direction. He had the one blow up hole on 17 that kind of knocked him out of the tournament. So I think that is kind of a fluke there. So his number is better than what it should be for for how he's golfing right now. So plus 150 Byung Hun on to top 40 was my last bet. Now I'm going to get into uh, the daily fantasy sports or just kind of the overview of the whole field here. Tony Finau is the most expensive golfer. I think it's flipped. Yeah, Jordan Spieth is the most expensive golfer on FanDuel. Tony Finau on DraftKings. Uh, both guys have been golfing really well lately. Kind of hit a little bump at the players. Both guys have top fives here. I don't trust... Finau to win at 11 to 1 odds, but I do trust Finau to crack the top 10 at a pretty consistent clip. Can Spieth turn the corner here and get a win? It, he's a Texas boy, Scotty Scheffler right underneath him, another Texas boy. Um, couple, couple spots down, we got Ryan Palmer. A Texas native, I do believe, as well. I think they're all going to be pretty popular plays here. But it just seems like Spieth, Scheffler, Ryan Palmer. I think Corey Connors, the defending champ at this course, coming off of two Top 10 finishes in Florida at the Players and the Arnold Palmer. Both a lot of blow-up holes waiting to happen with the water, so you got to be real accurate. Corey Connors fits that mold of golf, which translates to here, obviously. So I think he's going to be a pretty highly owned player. I think the play would be to pivot off of Corey Connors and take Ryan Palmer 
but I don't trust him too much. Ryan Palmer just seems like one of those guys where he's top five or bust. So that might be kind of a tournament play pivot. Abraham Answer hasn't really been able to turn the corner here. Three three events here, 42nd, 58, 42nd. Um, back-to-back finishes on tour, though, of 22nd or better. 22nd at the Players, 18th at the World Golf Championship. None of my stats include last week's match play just because the format is so different. They started on Wednesday, um, you know, with uh, people conceding holes. It's just tough to score it and incorporate that into here, your your finishing place and your finishing scores and stuff. So I just largely ignore it because I think it is kind of a different beast where you see, I think, prickly people like a Matt Kuchar or like Kevin Na took it to Dustin Johnson after he kind of, they had that little run in. But I think if you if you can get into somebody's head, or if you're a, a kind of a stingier player that's not given putts, or is is competitive and not afraid to piss off the other guy, then you kind of have an edge in that. Whereas the normal tournaments, you're playing against the field, you're only worried about your score and your next shot, and then obviously you're looking at your your playing partners, the people you're playing with, and making sure they're not cheating but you're not specifically playing against them. So it's a different animal where Matt Kuchar's priced very high and he finished well at the... He was in the final four before losing to Scotty Scheffler in the match play last week. But I think it just doesn't really translate here. So people are going to possibly remember the name Kuchar. Oh man, he, he did well and he's a bigger name. But before that, he he missed the cut at the players pretty bad. And he's just had a rough stretch of uh, a couple years. He's starting to hone it in a little bit, but I think I'm going to fade him here at his price tag and his overhype of coming off of the last week at the match play on a high. So I I think I'm not going to touch Kuchar here, even though he's he's played well here and he is that tee to green mold. But uh, right above him is the guy I'm going to is Brennan Steele, who's playing a lot better lately and has just as good course history. And they're the same kind of player. They were like, it was four years ago or something in daily fantasy sports. It was Matt Kuchar would always be priced at like 8,300, which is like the dead average. And he'd always get you right around a top 20. So he was just money in the bank for cash plays. And then Brendan Steele was like the off-brand Matt Kuchar where you could get him at like 7,400, but he's an automatic top 40. And then they both fell off kind of at the same time in these last few years. And they're just now getting back into the swing of things, it looks like, and becoming more consistent. But I just think Steele, DFS-wise, is a better play. He might He's probably going to be a little higher owned, but I think his course history is ability to go low especially in the first round here get off to a hot start is what I'm really looking for so I would go Brendan Steele over Matt Kuchar there's Charlie Hoffman and Cameron Tringali right above them Tringali's been solid lately he missed the cut at the players but before that he's been really good but I don't want to pay 9300 for Tringali 
who's been very up and down at this course, coming off a top 20 at the Valero Texas Open, but two missed cuts before that, a 60th place finish before that. I don't know if I trust Tringali here, especially with a little more added pressure of him being a bigger fish in this weaker field. And then same thing with Charlie Hoffman. Like It's going to be all eyes on Hoffman, really, because how well he's been playing lately, and he is a previous winner at this place, was runner-up uh, two years ago, the last time they played here. So I think the pressure might just be too much for him. And especially if people are going to be picking him, I might avoid him. So that's why I, I bet him to top 20, and then I might just not touch him the rest of the week. Maybe sprinkle in with some tournament plays, but I, I'm largely going to ignore, ignore Charlie Hoffman. And then right after that, you know, Matt Kuchar's the bottom, 9,000. Below that, you get into 8,900 on DraftKings. Siwoo Kim, Cameron Davis, Lionel Griffin, Chris Kirk, going to be very highly owned. Zach Johnson, Keegan Bradley, who's I think Keegan Bradley might get some ownership too. Adam Hadwin, Joel Damon, who I was on all the last couple months, basically, of DraftKings. Like, you know, he's a good tournament play. He's going to pop eventually. He wins last week at Corrales Punta Cana. Doesn't have good course history here. Looked like crap before that win. Nobody's going to pick him here. So that could be another good tournament play. Or he could just be extremely hungover coming into this week. So that's kind of a risky one. Ricky Fowler, 8,100. Masters is next week. I mean... He's got to do something. He was 20... Oh, God, this lettering's so small, I can't read it. 17th last year, or two years ago, at the Valero Texas Open. Missed both cuts on tour in his last two events. 20th place finish at the Genesis. Maybe Ricky can crack the top 20 here, top 10, do something. But, I mean, he needs a freaking win. At this point, but I I don't know what his ownership's gonna look like. I in my mind the best bet for Ricky here isn't DraftKings stuff. Maybe a tournament play in DraftKings, but like a top five or top ten finish, twelve to one, six to one, respectively. There, but the pressure's on him right now because he needs to make some moves. Right underneath that, Sam Burns, who I'm gonna excuse his. His poor two events in Florida, he should be higher priced than this. I think he's a good play here. But the everybody above them, you know, Chris Kirk is gonna get a lot I Chris Kirk is gonna get a lot of ownership in that range from eighty nine hundred down to where we're at at eight thousand. Just because of it's kind of a no man's land in here. You're not paying this much for these run of the mill kind of guys that like have been averaging you know, 40th place or something. So I, I, I would like to go maybe one or two guys in the 9,000s, maybe one guy in this range or the upper 7,000s, and then just play cheap golfers from there. So basically a stars and scrubs approach is what I'm looking at for daily fantasy stuff here because I just don't trust these higher price guys that are around your average price tag of, 8300 you know so i would rather pay up for and i think Hideki's going to be lower owned hideki matsuyama so go up grab hideki grab ryan palmer 
for Charlie Hoffman, Brandon Steele. Grab two, maybe three of those guys, and then drop way down. And maybe one guy in the mid-range. I think that's your best bet this week because I just don't... From 8,900 to... Jeez, to 7,000 or 7,500 where Phil is, Phil Mickelson, don't trust him. Don't trust many of these guys. Uh, But... Ryan Moore is an interesting thing, I or interesting little play here because I don't think he's getting talked about a lot. He's had his struggles on tour in the last couple of years, but he's starting to kind of hone it in. It looks like back-to-back top 40s in his last two events. One was the Players, one was Pebble Beach, so a little more notable events. And then third-place finish two years ago here, seventh-place finish before that, 18th-place finish before that at the Valero Texas Open. So he's he's played really well here, and he isn't being talked about too much, starting to play a little bit better. So I love Ryan Moore here. Brennan Grace had that win, but at the Puerto Rico Open. So does that mean he's cursed now? Who knows? But back-to-back top 10s for him in his last two times at this event. So he might be an interesting play. Andrew Putnam, like I talked about before, Two top fives in his last three events. One top ten in his last two times at the Valero Texas Open. So I like him as well. Hmm. Benny on coming off that top ten at the last time they had the Valero Texas Open. I feel like he could be a sneaky good play. But now you're getting into freaking just absolute minesweeper down here where every fifth one is going to be a bomb and every other one is not going to be great. So this is where you're going to have to really kind of dissect everything, look at the numbers, read some reviews and pull up some gut plays because there is not a lot of good golfers in this field. Harry Higgs and Chase Seifert are two guys that are being widely talked about at 7,100 because of their ball striking in the last event. Ball striking is going to carry over here. Neither one of them has played this event before. So if they're going to be highly owned, I'm going to fade. And I would drop down to Martin Laird has three top 40s here in a row, two in the top 20. So Martin Laird, I think, is going to get some play right underneath those guys. We're right next to him at 7,100. But I would rather take, instead of taking a popular Harry Higgs and Chase Cypher at 7,100, I'd rather drop down and take Kevin Chappell. Uh-huh. Hit the brakes on that. He he won. Kevin Chappell won here 2016 and the year before top five. Um. I'd really have to take a look at his tournaments over the last year because I still don't think he's golfing all that great. So maybe not him, but there's guys that have golfed well lately or golfed here, like tied for seventh two years ago with Benny on. You got Adam Shank tied for seventh with Benny on. You got Graham McDowell. Graham McDowell is coming off a fourth-place finish at the Corrales Punta Cana. Um, those aren't terrible play. I'd rather play a 6,700 Graham McDowell than a 
let's have a look and see. Then a 8400 Keegan Bradley. But that's just me. I feel like there's, if you're going value this week, you got to take a look at these lower owned guys. And I'm not going to, usually I would run through basically the entire field. But I think I'm going to cut this one a little bit shorter, hopefully. And then if you want to look at the the cheat sheet, that's where you're really going to look at. We'll go to the card. It's easier to read. The report card, I think, is what I call it on there. Instead of the big one. The big cheat is very hard to interpret, I can imagine, for people who don't know what's going on there. But the cheat sheet is everything's pretty much color-coded. And I look at the columns in the middle is what really helps me out the most. Last six events on tour, last five years at this event and then you can start looking at the other stuff around it it gives you a more complete picture of what's going on but i think if you go down through these lower price guys um, you can find people that have top 10s top 20s recently top 10s or top 20s at this event and i think you're better off playing those types of guys in tournament plays with the stars and scrubs approach than you are going in the middle of the pack where more ownership's going to lie. And I don't think they're that much more reliable. So that's my take on it this week. Um, I think that's pretty much it. This is just kind of a practice to get my gears going because next week is the Masters, and I'm definitely going to do a podcast for that. And I'm going to be way more prepared than I have been for any of the podcasts this year. But it's going to be, I, each of them has been slightly different format. So I'm kind of figuring out what works well and what doesn't. But next week I'm going to be very prepared and ready to roll because I'm probably going to start really getting stuff ready over this weekend instead of, you know, I started on Monday, Tuesday nights and put it all together and then shoot from the hip from there. So I'll be a little more prepared and, you know, probably have more picks, more recommendations for plays and whatnot. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Good luck this week.